Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Medeca. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck's own, Mike Merkel. I'm here. Missing in action once again, the whale shirt, Kyle Bozanowski. <laughs> Does he know yet that that's his new nickname, his whale no, shirt? No, because he hasn't listened to us if he's not on it. Oh my gosh, I, I am so offended. This is ridiculous. Oh my lord, that is ridiculous. I I'm so agree. I'm so upset. Yeah. I'm so upset. This episode maybe he'll just get snowed in. Yeah, right. Yeah. This episode of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast is brought to you by Nick DiStefano. He is the realtor for the legends, my friends. That includes yours truly. I'm sure he'll be helping Mike when he decides to get his own place. He is the realtor for you. He is starting his own business. He was with Remax for a really long time. He helped me find my house. He helped us find our place. For our brand new studio, he is the guy to go to. That's Nick DiStefano. You can contact him, 586-556-0304, or hit him up on email, nick at nickd, that's nick, D as in dog, dot realty. So the episode this week brought to you by Nick. We appreciate Nick being a sponsor this week. Um, Can't say enough good things about him. He is the absolute man when it comes to all your house buying and selling needs. Let's just jump right into it today, Mike, though. We promised, and we're going to talk, we're we're going to talk the preview of Full Gear for AEW's first pay-per-view since their debut on TNT. Yes. We're going to talk Crown Jewel a little bit because WWE may meet my words a little bit on that from the from the Crown Jewel show. But we're also going to preview Survivor Series as they've added another wrinkle, which I think is going to get people so excited. We're going to talk the World Series and the Nationals' big victory um, and maybe some other stuff too. Maybe some Lions, maybe some other stuff. Whatever I feel like talking about today. Okay. Um, but let's just jump right into it though. Full Gear, um, their first AEW pay-per-view since what was All Out was the last one before that, right? I think was the last one they did, was yes. All Out. So this is going to be the first time we've seen a fully produced AEW pay-per-view after a good solid couple months of television, yes. um, which is which is kind of a groundbreaking moment when you think about it. This is going to be, it's on a Saturday, which is a little bit different. Just yes. quickly on your thoughts on that, because I thought that was, I thought not only was that like, oh, okay, like I like that, mm-hmm. but also I was like, why haven't they always been doing that? Like, I feel like people, more people would buy and watch on a Saturday night if, like, you want to, if you're going to buy, purchase a pay-per-view, like, the pay-per-view. I'd rather watch it on Saturday than Sunday. Are you talking about, like, in general for pay-per-view? Yeah, like, just... yeah. Like, because, like, I, like, WWE right now is different because they're on the network, right? Yeah. So I can go back well, and watch them anytime. Well, been on a No, I know. Saturday. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, like, like I've always felt like that, that. Uh, that process or that 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 you know ideology of going on a Saturday rather than a Sunday kind of bucks the trend. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I don't know about you. Would you rather have it on a Saturday than a Sunday? Because I feel like I would because I go to go to work on Monday. You know what I mean? Oh so yeah. Like, I'm mean, exhausted. Like I don't want to stay up till eleven thirty midnight and then wake up six hours later. Oh yeah. No, I I love them on Saturdays. Yeah. I don't like when WWE does them on Saturday. Oh, it's so annoying. Yeah. It's so annoying because I just feel like okay, like all right, you know, I do wish so, and I and I've gotten a little bit spoiled, and I think I mentioned this to you before. I'm very spoiled by the WWE network now a little bit. And and what I mean by that is I don't oh, have yeah, to go I, and like go buy the pay-per-view. Yeah. I can just go, "Oh, okay, I'm paying this monthly anyway, so I just have it at my fingertips at all times." Yeah. Now I got to make an effort to be like, "All right, who are we going to whose house are we going to? Where are we watching it?" You know what I mean? And it's just a whole it's a thing now, right? So yeah. it's just like, "Man, I just can't wait. Just get big enough and have your own streaming service, AEW. Like get on it, you know. Not fight either. I want an actual Thing that's gonna work properly yeah, and all I want that. Kind of... <laughs> yeah, right. Just immediately, WWE's worked like thirty years to get this going. They're yeah. just 
three weeks in. Just yeah, do it. <laughs> but the biggest match is going in, obviously. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega in a non-sanctioned match. We're going to talk about that in a second because I'm a little annoyed by that. Um, I want to talk Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes, or Cody, the American Nightmare for the AEW World title. Um, those are probably the two biggest matches. What else do they have announced for the card uh, so far? So as of this second, which is November 2nd, mm-hmm. Uh, they have the Bucks, Matt Nick Jackson versus Santina and Ortiz. Yeah, formerly known as LAX if you're an Impact fan. And they have Adam Page versus Pac in a one-on-one match. Another one of those, okay. And that's it. Yeah, so, so far? far? Okay, yeah. I'm guessing we'll have a tag title match. I'm guessing we'll have a women's match. Yeah, but I'm assuming they're only going to stick to six to seven matches, so I don't think they'll go yeah, much, much more than, than that. that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. it's, yeah, you don't want to over, you don't want to bombard you know everybody, and I think those are the main story. Yeah, it's nice because now that you have your TV show, it's not yeah. like you have to... For, like, all out, they were just like, we're going to put 13 matches on and get right. everyone on the card. Yes. Now you don't have to get everyone mm-hmm. on the card now, mm-hmm. so, like, you mm-hmm. can stick with your 6-7 yeah, right. match format. Right. Hopefully they just do it like NXT does, and just do, like, 5-7 to seven at yep. most matches. Yep. And I do think five. you do need to have a tag title match and a... You need to... Yeah, you need to have... I think you need to have all your titles yeah, You only have three shoot. titles, so you right. should have all of them on. Right. But then, like, just, like, your big rivalry should yep. be at the absolutely. Yeah, I don't want an opening cold match where it's like, oh, MJF's going against Jimmy Havoc for no reason. Yeah, like, they can't... I mean, they don't right. have that luxury at this point of developing those kind of... Yeah, that's what right. I mean. I just right. want, like, the... Like, how TakeOver is just give yep. me your yeah. five big Here's your world... Here, here's your tag titles. Okay, here's the next big feud. Here's your women's. Here's this. I'm okay with what the card is. If you add, you know... Yeah. Whoever, SCU and Lucha Bros in mm-hmm. a rematch and mm-hmm. then a women's match. I'm totally yeah. down for this. Yeah. I, for yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's gonna be good. Um I, what are your thoughts so far on their builds to these? I mean, before, right, like you kind of mentioned that when originally, because they didn't have the weekly show, right, mm-hmm. you're just kinda of going in hoping, all right. Let's just throw them out there and yeah. hope it sticks, right? Yeah. Now they've had some time to really build these matches. I have really enjoyed the build between uh, Jericho and Cody. Mm-hmm. I know they don't have as much time invested as they do the Moxley-Kenny Omega match, um, but I've really enjoyed the fact that Jericho, in in some ways, they've made it to where like, like that contract signing, right? Yeah. There wasn't any physicality, right? They just had a – and it was short. It was brief. Right, Jericho still got his stuff over. Cody, uh, clearly the fan favorite, right? They kind of built up to that contract signing with like the limo ride and all that stuff. Cody hasn't touched Jericho really. You know what I mean? They haven't really had that physical interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all been more like the psychological, like I'm gonna attack your brother or I'm gonna do this, yeah. rather than the strictly, I'm we're just gonna attack you every yeah. single week. You know what I mean? Uh, I've really enjoyed this build. More than I have in other ones. Is that something that I think they're trying to? Do you think they're trying to kind of like really emphasize on or these builds, these world title matches to make them feel like it's a big fight feel every time the world title is on the line? Yeah, I do, and I also like that you set yourself up where you have two big factions. You have mm-hmm. the elite and you have the inner circle. Yes. So now you can have all these inner tingling yeah. matches. Yeah. Right? You do Jericho versus Cody, the head of the elite, head of this team. Mm-hmm. Then you have your there are two great tag teams in each mm-hmm. division going at each other. Right. So basically this turns into like the inner circle versus the elite mm-hmm. almost full gear pay per view. Right. But you just have like right. one from each you have like three or four matches set up from that. Yep. From those Absolutely. two groups. Absolutely. So it really helps with the build because yeah. like Jericho's out in a match, mm-hmm. and then the Bucks come out in LAX, or Santana Ortiz come out, or whatever, mm-hmm. and then there's your build. They right. all attack each other, whatever, there's the build. Or you have the contract signing, and then they attack 
Cody's brother. Right. There's your build. Right. You know, so they have all these different avenues to go into. Yeah, absolutely. With the, and and the branches, right, with the Dustin Rhodes, with the MJF stuff yeah. with the group. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're getting, you're seeing a lot of that kind of break off. I just once again, I got to commend Chris Jericho because he is doing a phenomenal, phenomenal job, phenomenal job of really. Not only adding legitimacy to AEW as the world champion. I know a lot of people said AEW's trying to be different. Yeah, they just gave a 45-year-old man the world title. But it's not it's, – it's Chris Jericho, though. And Chris Jericho has completely added not just, like I said, the level of legitimacy to not only AEW but the world title. But he's also, once again, reinvented himself. He's not the pain maker anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know he comes out, you know, still all decked to the hip nine, but like he's not. He's like the Le Champion guy now. Like yes. he's a in a matter of minutes had completely shifted the way he does everything again. Oh, yeah. And this is like the sixth time he's done it in his career. Yeah, it's been absolutely crazy. How? What are you, for you? What are the odds that this goes to a sixty minute draw because he added that stipulation? In? Yeah, with the with the because judges. there's like the three judges that are gonna score I'm gonna, it. Yeah, I'm gonna what say what are the odds that they use that? I'm gonna say not high because if you're going 60 minutes, that means the rest of your card is going to suffer because of it. Like I I, I liken it to WrestleMania 12 where Brett and Sean had to go an hour, mm-hmm. right? So outside of that co- match and Diesel Taker, name me another match on that card. No one remembers. So you know what I mean. So like you got to shorten and condense, and I feel like that's gonna hurt yeah. the overall well, pay per view. Well, I would say unless they if, leave it exactly say, what like if, this. What if you have leave four it with these four matches? Maybe at a women's match or something because mm-hmm. that's you just won maybe, the title. Yeah, right. So if you have five matches on the card and you're gonna maybe, go three and a half hours, maybe they could. You could give two and a half mm-hmm. hours to four other matches and put an hour in this if, one. If they're gonna give them an hour, I think people need to be prepared for an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I you wish can't do it like Ring of Honor said when it was Taven and Lethal win an hour. Yeah, and, like, no yeah. One and everybody went, that. oh my gosh, like you can't just not announce that and go, by the way, it's going time limit draw. Because I don't want the match to be taken out of the, you know what I mean, yeah. out of their hands. Ring of Honor used to do this a lot mm. um, back in the day where it's like, okay, when it's a big match, okay, we're going to have three judges here just in case this goes the full time. Yeah. It never went the full time, but it was always like that, yeah. adding another level of legitimacy. Like first time, like... Oh, yeah, we're gonna sign. We're gonna have yeah. three judges. Is it because it's gonna go sixty minutes and you're getting right? It? Because then you can hold it as to Cody's like, I didn't lose, right? I just like also didn't beat you, right? Kind of thing. So right. I couldn't beat you, later. but you couldn't beat me. That yeah, whole and it thing. took two judges to score right. your way or whatever. Yeah. Do you think Jericho retains? Uh, yes. Yeah, I do I think too. He holds for a little longer. Yeah, I, I think he does too. I just think that Cody. It's weird because they're in a weird predicament because in one hand you're like, okay, Cody Jericho, sign me up, I'm yeah. cool. But on that same note, you got to go, okay, but that means that someone's gonna have to take that L there. Yeah. And I don't know necessarily if I'm ready for Cody just to lose clean in the middle well, of the that's ring. Because I mean. then you go, whoop, that's right what back I mean. down. I think that's yeah. why they, the, you implement the, yeah. okay, we're going to have the three judges. Because mm-hmm. if you go two to Jericho, one to Cody, mm-hmm. you go, listen, I lost because one judge said right. I, I wasn't good enough on that night. And then right. you have a match two or three months from now. Yeah. Then you can set either They haven't Cody announced up. the judges yet, have they? Yeah. Have they announced the judges? Mm-hmm. That, that's going to be interesting to see. Because that I, may I, add fuel could, to that fight. It could be like... Someone from like WWE pass or something. Yeah. Oh, very well. Like could, well could, yeah. It something. could be like what if Bischoff comes out. Yeah. Or something you know, like that, that would be insane. crazy. So basically, yeah. you can look at it, and they have like two of the judges that are definitely Jericho's side. Yeah. Like already there, and you're yeah. like, and Cody's like, crap. Now I gotta, mm. I have to win in the 60 minutes, mm-hmm. and that can be like the story they tell. Or they do the other way where they use that to flip somebody, right? Like, oh, what if MJ, like you know, like you know, his MJF or is MJF, a, yeah, right, or his, somebody else comes out, and you're like, oh, okay, this is co- like DDP, and then all of a sudden DDP goes, no, he won. You yeah. know what 
know what I mean? You're like, what? You know, yeah. so there's a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, that they could do. I'm very interested to see how that kind of plays out. One quick last thing on this Full Gear show. I'm really annoyed that they did this whole non-sanctioned match between yeah. Kenny and John. I feel like similar to the same criticism that we gave WWE with Bray and Seth at Hell in a Cell, I think AEW did an exact same thing. And I think people aren't truly realizing it because, mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well, it's still going to be Kenny and John. I get that. But at the same note, you now have said that, oh, by the way, this match, no matter how awesome, no matter how devastating it's going to be, don't count. Yeah. That, to me, is a cop-out a little bit. And I'm like, if you're not ready for John or Kenny to lose, which clearly you are because Kenny's already lost, mm-hmm. then... You shouldn't have booked this match yet. Yeah. This should have been an overarching thing where it's like, okay, it, I liken it to Taz Sabu in 97, where basically Taz just called out Sabu for like a year mm-hmm. and they never fought each other. Sabu never answered, he never did anything. And then finally, at ECW's very first pay per view, they went at it mm-hmm. and it was like a big moment. You know what I mean? So it was like, I'd rather have seen that where it's like John kept calling out Kenny and Kenny's like, I don't want to fight. Like, this is not my thing or whatever. And then they got to a point where John would not let Kenny get the world title Mm -hmm. until he beat something in that sort of effect. Where you build up to it to where now I have equity in John Moxley where, okay, John's lost once or twice already to Jericho or whoever. Kenny's done his thing. And then it doesn't, it's not as impactful when, or it's not as like, oh, well, Kenny just lost again. So now he's got two singles losses to Jericho and Moxley. There's no way he's getting a world title shot anytime yeah. soon. And if you've been if you pin John, you're like, okay, where you go with Moxley now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, that's the only thing I don't like about that. I don't know. Are you on the similar path as I am, or are you kind of like, all right, I'm gonna give him a pass? Because I I was like, oh, that's kind of crappy. Like when they when they said that, a, I was like, that's not cool. I don't give him a pass for how the world title match is set up. I feel like it's gonna be the. They go to 60 minutes, Jericho retains, mm-hmm. and then the winner of this match, even though it doesn't count, mm-hmm. I think the winner of that match challenges, and then the other person, since it didn't count, mm-hmm. is going to like interfere in mm-hmm. that world title match, and yeah. it's going to end up being a long arching story to another yeah. pay-per-view, yeah. where it does matter, and then the win does matter at yeah. the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as mad if that's the long-term storybooking that they're going to go, Yeah. but knowing my luck, it won't be that. <laughs> It's just going to be kind of stupid. It's going to be stupid, right. And that's the thing. And I I will caution people, too, and I think this is something that AEW needs to be very um, conscious of, is their finishes on pay-per-views. The biggest knock on WCW for the longest time was that their finishes were always screwy and stupid, right? I can't remember the last time I watched a world title match just end clean. It never happened for for WCW. Never did. Now, I'm not saying AEW is WCW, but what I am saying is that you are following a... You don't want to get into that pattern where every time you go off the show thinking, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if we're going to make wins and losses matter, then wins and losses need to occur. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, just something that people really need to start paying attention to. I know the new hot brand on the block, but they are not exempt from criticism just because of the new hotness. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's talk Crown Jewel and preview Survivor Series a little bit. Cool. You know, we came out last week and we said... You know, I kind of said basically that nothing was going to happen because based off of their track record, nothing ever happens at these big shows. Clearly, of course, they heard me. Clearly, you're welcome. And, you know, Bray Wyatt is the new Universal Champion. Uh, beat Seth Rollins. I guess you can say clean. It was false count anywhere. So as clean as you can get it, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he's a new Universal Champion. My thoughts on Crown Jewel as a whole? Um, it was a... 
okay card. It was better probably than Hell in a Cell ended up being yeah. because of the main event. Couldn't have been that. Couldn't have been. Jeez, he had really set that bar pretty low. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great match. Go back and watch his Monsoor and Cesaro. Yeah. Uh, they really just knocked out of the park. Uh, nothing else was too memorable besides mm-hmm. the Fiend winning. Yeah. But I would say it's like a, it's probably one, probably their best outing big show like, like this? big show yeah. in saudi arabia mm-hmm. or or in australia or wherever they go yeah. probably like their best show but mm-hmm. that's also like that's not saying a whole lot putting yeah. it at like a c or c plus it's yeah that show awesome yeah i would agree with you i didn't think anything in the false count anywhere match anything was done that was that special i know no. the fiend's big bump he took into the lighting and everything was kind of cool but outside of that if that if the title doesn't change hands we're talking about how the show's terrible so yeah. you know what i mean so i think that with that being said i agree with you i i got to watch the bra i did i was at i was at work for a good majority of this show um but i watched the brock kane velasquez match i still think that is an eyesore of a time and i think as much credit what's frustrating for me a little bit too is like okay you had bray and seth and helen cell why not just give them the title there yeah because then because then right like if because and we were talking about this literally on the way here and we said you know bray's on smackdown Mm-hmm. So Bray's now the Universal Champion. Is he taking? You know, he's taking that title to SmackDown now. Is so. he back on Raw? We have no idea. Makes you want to watch. It, I, guess, I guess so. Right? Guess Brock Lesnar quits SmackDown. He's going to Raw to beat up Rey Mysterio again for the umpteenth time. Yes. So it's like, where where are you going with that? And I really don't understand the Brock thing because he just first off, Kane Velasquez tapping out in two minutes. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. And I understand that he had to take the loss because he's got the knee problem. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I, my, my, my problem with that is twofold. Number one, why do you book it then? That's the first thing. And number two, why not have a schmaz? Mm-hmm. Why not have a bad finish there? Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to just have this guy that you're paying a bunch of money to, to then just go tap out, and I get it. It's to Brock Lesnar. I understand. But your whole premise of this whole match has been Kane just destroyed Brock in a legit fight. Mm-hmm. So now in a shoot fight, it, you're... You're gonna just—he's just gonna tap out and it's over with. He didn't even put something on his knee. I would have—I would have preferred it at least be like he's got a knee problem, and Brock just shattered his knee with twelve chair shots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they stopped the match or something, rather than him just go, "Oh, come on, I'm tapping and I'm done." Yeah. Like this ain't Cena here that you can do that to where he's impervious. He could lose a hundred times in a row and then go. This guy's never had a match in WWE before, and his first match not only is for the title—stupid against Brock, rough. And then he loses in less than five minutes. I mean, crap. I mean, Kofi's like, dude, I could have lasted longer than you know, that. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. I just, it was a little confusing. And it feels like another show where it's like they just couldn't get out of their own way and yeah. just do it. You know what yeah, I mean? They just, I, it just, it was very frustrating. But it was. with that being said, going now into Survivor Series, introducing NXT for the first time in the Survivor Series we saw on Friday night, where due to a lot of the main roster being stuck. With travel yeah, issues, Saudi, yeah. which is hilarious. Um, you see this NXT invasion happen, right? You saw Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Riddle, Keith Lee. Um, you saw uh, Adam Cole beat Daniel Bryan clean in the ring for the NXT Championship. Um, you know, Triple H kind of drawing the line in the sand. Shawn Michaels was on the show. Um, Pat McAfee on commentary, which was awesome, yeah. by the way. I'm, I am such a Pat McAfee fan. Like, hilarious. Um 
But I mean, what are your thoughts on NXT kind of getting that getting that nudge up into this pay per view setting now, to where it's kind of like Raw and SmackDown versus NXT? Uh, makes it a lot more exciting. Yeah, for sure. No one really for sure wants to see SmackDown versus Raw normally. Yeah, nobody cares. But now you add the NXT component and what yeah. Triple H <clears throat> does on SmackDown and go basically calls them all out. Now yeah. you're like. Wow. Right. That's what's going to happen yeah, now on Monday happen. night? What's going to happen on Wednesday? Yeah. Are you going to see Raw and SmackDown guys now jump, come Better. in on Wednesday? Better. You know what I mean? So I, I think I think that is a, I think it's finally something where they went, okay, NXT is the hot brand for us, right? It's yeah. the only show that's drawing. It's the only show that people want to watch. Nobody else cares about anything else. So there's a lot of question marks, and I think that's a good thing for WWE in some regard to go, you know, like, all right, what's Brock going to do, right? Was that what? What is the status of both world championships now with Bray on SmackDown, mm-hmm. right? Where does Seth Rollins go from here? Who the hell is going to challenge Bray Wyatt for the title? Are, what is this NXT invasion going to turn into? Is it just going to be this one-off for the month and then everything goes back to the same? Do we have people getting called up? Is that going to be the new thing where mm-hmm. it's like, you got NXT guys now showing up, you know, kicking ass or yeah. whatever. You know, there's a lot of question marks, which I think in at this time, especially with this move to Fox, I think is a severe shot in the arm for WWE where they go, okay, let's wake up, fresh matchups, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think they're using these NXT guys to go, hey, you want to see Shinsuke versus Matt Riddle? Done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You want to see Finn against, well, I guess Finn's a bad example because you don't have to but You want to see Champa versus whoever? Done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that helps... The NXT guys, too, get over, make people want to watch NXT, you know, to kind of help mm-hmm. that war. But also, I think, especially from the SmackDown side, because it's been a rough couple weeks on SmackDown, you get you get that injection of talent where you go, oh, snap. You know, mm-hmm. like anything can happen at any time, and I think they're finally adding that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? I mean, I think it's clear that if it is going to be NXT versus Raw and SmackDown, NXT goes over, right? I think that's a must. Uh, I, would, I would hope so. Yeah. Um, I don't see them not going over. Uh, what I really want to see is just have a lot of like, like mid card number mm-hmm. one contenders versus NXT guys. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like a fight between Raw and SmackDown yeah. to get to NXT is right. like the main goal. Right. So you have like Shinsuke as IC champ. You have uh, AJ. AJ as US champ, and they're like, no, I want. I want to represent I'll, WWE I against want, NXT. Yeah, yeah, basically how I sub. And then you're like, yeah. no. And then AJ's like, no, I want to go first. Roderick Strong as the right. mid card match or mm-hmm. whatever. So mm-hmm. then you have that match on, say, like a Raw for a number one contenders to yeah. fight Roderick Strong, who's the North American champion. Right. Or you have the tag champs, the Raw and SmackDown tag champs, fight each other. Be like, yo, I want Undisputed Era at right. Survivor Series. Right. You know right. what I mean? Same because. Thing. Because everyone at NXT is like, come on, come at us. Right, exactly. And Raw and SmackDown yeah. are like fighting each yeah. other in an inner battle mm-hmm. to get to that point. Right, yeah. I think if NXT doesn't get put over strong, then I feel like then you've really just killed yeah. like all. Because then you're like, okay, well, they're still developmental then. That can't yeah. be it anymore. They have to be looked at as a legitimate third brand. Yeah. And I'm hoping, and I think Triple H is the perfect guy to, you know, he actually is leading NXT, but I think he's the perfect guy to kind of get that over the hump with his mic because I think Triple H is still very good on the mic Mm -hmm. so I think that he can really get it to a point him and Sean being there as well you know I really like that dynamic where they're just kind of like we're going to buck the trend again that scene when Daniel Bryan and SmackDown goes over I was was low key I was like man they're so hurting for talent right now they're going to put Sean in the ring and then I went ah but then I went okay Adam Cole's there okay I'm okay I'm okay because he took his coat off and he went 
Yo, it's cold in here. Yeah, I know, right? I know. I'm like, you're such a jerk. And every fan just went Oh, my gosh, right? And somebody made a criticism like that. Like, well, you when you tease Triple H and then Sean, Adam Cole feels like a lesser. And I go, I'm like, you're looking at it the wrong way. It's the point of, okay, let's get them, but then we're going to give them the best talent we have, right? Like, hey, I don't have, you know, it's not going to be Sean. It's not going to be this guy. It ain't going to be me. I don't got my stuff. But you know what you can do? You can fight my best guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, you can fight our champion. You can yeah. fight the guy. That's not Cole being buried. That's Cole being elevated mm-hmm. to the level in which Daniel Bryan is already at. That's what happened there. And with Cole going over clean only adds to the legitimacy of not only Adam Cole, the NXT brand, but also the NXT championship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To have a guy like that who just can beat one of the best wrestlers in the world clean like that... Mm-hmm. That's that's important as far as the developmental the, the development of NXT as a brand. So I think people need to kind of get on that train. All right, that's gonna be it for part one. After the break, we're gonna be talking Lions trade deadline and the eventfulness of that. <laughs> I can't even say this straight face. We're gonna talk World Series action, um, and then maybe talk some basketball. Who knows? We'll see. Hope maybe so. I don't know. Maybe I know oh, Mike. Yeah. Mike's pretty excited about it, so maybe we'll do it. All that cool. great stuff after the break. Stick around. Hey guys, it's the Mouth of Michigan, Robin Deck. I just want to remind you guys that this episode of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast is brought to you by Nick DiStefano with Nick D Realty. He is the absolute best guy in the Macomb area to get your house. He goes anywhere. He'll drive five hours for you if you need, my friends. He will be the number one guy, your best friend when it comes to buying your first house, buying your fifth house. It doesn't matter. Or selling that house. If you are a growing family, you want to get out of the you want to get out of the city, you want to go to the suburbs, he is your guy. If you're a retiree and you want to move out of your big house and go to a condo, he's your guy. He helped me, the mouth of Michigan, as well as the brain Emily Merkel, find our first house as well as getting a house that fit all of our needs. I told him I wanted a new studio. I told him I wanted a basement. I wanted room for our future your children he was on top of it he showed us all the houses that were in the area that we wanted made sure that we had the right school district make sure we had the far enough distance from work he was the guy that's nick DiStefano. you can find him at nick at nick d dot realty is his email or give him a call 586-556-0304 i promise you you will not regret Hiring my boy, Nick. He is the absolute best. And you know he's the best because he's sponsoring the best podcast going in Michigan today. Now here's part two of this week's episode. And welcome back to episode 49. Sure. You know more than I do. I don't remember. I always forget. It's all blurs together now. We've had so many great moments here on the show. Let's just jump right in though. Part two. Uh, Let's talk World Series. Yes. Uh, Big deal, right? Washington Nationals, World Series champs. Officially, all the rest of the starting Tigers pitchers from that 2014 team now have a World Series ring. Annabelle Sanchez, Max Scherzer get the win. Good for them. Um, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Um... Big moment though for obviously the for the franchise their first World Series championship. Um, they did it I think out of spite for the fact that they lost Bryce Harper in the offseason, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but is this does this we've talked about this now and I've kind of said this and we've mentioned this several times now throughout the show where we go this this now with this win does this change everybody's ideology on baseball free agency going forward. Um, I mean, it should. You know what I mean? Will like, it? Probably not. Like, but it like, definitely You know should. what I mean? Like, you look at it and you go, okay, the Astros, you know, they, they were... 
they made some big trades, so they had a high payroll. But like the Nationals, outside of Scherzer, they didn't really go sign a guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They let their biggest quote unquote star go, and now they win a World Series without him. You know what I mean? So you go, okay, maybe this does change the way. And I know we keep coming back to this, but you know, for so long, baseball's just been, all right, let's throw money at the problem. Mm-hmm. Throw money, throw money, throw money, throw money, and it gets us a championship. But now we're seeing that maybe that's not going to get done. Like, Cleveland is another team. Where it's like, there's not a lot of guys that are getting paid a ton of money in Cleveland mm-hmm. right now. You know, um, when the Cubs did it, the Cubs were very, spe- you know, very specific on the guys they signed. But a lot of that was homegrown talent. That you know, the Royals traded for short-term assets mm-hmm. that they didn't keep in order to win a World Series. So it's like you look at all these guys and you go, you know, I don't want to sign that guy to an eight-year, three hundred million dollar contract anymore. And I think that I think you're going to start seeing a regression as pay scale going. I think you're going to see a lot of players holding out. Probably. Because of it. Um, I don't think in any league ever you should yeah. sign guys to those 10-year oh contracts or whatever because that's just insane. Like, yeah. There's no way you can keep the production. You're So so the ideology is you're signing a guy because he's so good at that time yeah. that you want to make sure you keep him for 10 years, a.k.a. Right. like a Miggy or yeah. Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. et cetera, Mike et cetera, Trout. Mike Trout's and those. But for baseball, after like four years after that, you're not – that player anymore, you know what I mean? Like, Miggy, the second you signed that contract, you're like, yeah, he's probably the best hitter in baseball. Yeah. And now, what, he's got like four years, I don't know how he's long. Got, he's, he's got a lot got, of time left. He's got a couple years left in his in his 10-year, $300 million contract that he got or whatever, yeah. and look what he's doing for us right now. Right. Not very Nothing. much at right. all. He's either hurt all the time, or he's just not hitting very yeah. well. Right. So, I, I never thought that, like, I've never been the guy to be like, oh yeah, let's go give that guy an eight-year contract, right. and now you're seeing it even more. Maybe you should stick to those two-year contracts and like mm-hmm. value them after they're done, after mm-hmm. the two years, instead of just giving right. them ten years. Right, right and, the, and I think and the player's perspective is, okay, well, you're paying me. And in Miggy's case, right, it was, we're paying you for what you did. Not for what you're going to do, mm-hmm. right? And I think they knew that going in, but they had a good enough team. They thought, where okay, well, you just got to hold on a little bit longer, keep Miggy, and then maybe we can piece it together for one more run. And obviously that was a disaster. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right, and I think you're going to see a lot of players be like, where is all this money going? And I think a lot of baseball owners are going to go, unless you're like 22, you yeah. know what I mean? Unless you're this phenom of a player that I'm going to sign for eight years so I can get you till you're 30. You know, because I think you can be a valuable baseball player after the age of 30. It's not like football where it's like 30 is like, okay, where is the yeah. uneven field now, but... 32, 33, 34. Like you're gonna, you're getting to that point where it's like, okay, now you're really not productive. Like Albert Pujols signed with the Angels quite a few years ago on hopes that he had two or three good years left that we compare with Mike Trout in order to win a World Series. That didn't happen. Yeah. Now Pujols is old, slow, and can't do anything. So I think you're right. I think it's it's going to drastically change. I think MLB man general managers' perception of okay, we need. This guy, yeah. but it's going to cost us this much money. So you go, maybe we just do it ourselves and just, yeah. you know. <laughs> if you're the Nationals and someone like Soto, because yeah. he's only 21 and stuff, yeah. that's a guy you're like, all right, let's get that nine year contract to or whatever right, until he's exactly. 30, 31. Mm-hmm. All four, if you have yeah. the money for it and you think you can work around that. But right. like when a guy's like 25, 26, you're like, all right, let's give that guy the 10 year contract because he's been so good. I'm like, yeah, but is that really four what you years, want to do? Four years into because that deal, four or five he's years, be useless. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to, and you're not going to be able to get rid of the contract. Nope. So now you just have this guy, you can't like 
bench and it's automatically yeah, and it's guaranteed it's guaranteed as soon as he signs yeah. yeah it's just it puts you in a really rough spot. asinine is really what it is talk about though what is the impact um for for a nationals team right i mean this is this is a huge win clearly it i really mean it's is. i mean it's the first one in, in history but i mean is this the you know this is a weird time in baseball because who won the who won the World Series last year? Was the Astros won it last year? Or Boston won Boston. it, right? Boston won it. The year before that was Astros, Astros. right? And, and then the year before that, and the that. Cubs for that. So you're seeing a lot of teams now who have never gotten there. You know, what I mean, you're starting to see this yeah. trend of you know, like the. Does this give you hope at all as a Tigers fan to be like, okay? Some of these teams, they went through heavy rebuilds to get there. The Cubs went through a 100-year rebuild, for gosh sakes. You know what I mean? Let's take Boston out of it for a second because they've been a franchise now, a dynasty for a while. But, you know, the Cubs, hell, even the Indians, the Royals, teams like who are naturally have been terrible mm-hmm. for a good chunk of time are now finally starting to see that. The Nationals, you know, they've, they've had Strasburg for a long time, but they never put it together. Now you've got all these, you know, these teams that are, you know, maybe not the Yankees, aren't the Mets, aren't the Dodgers, aren't, you know, these quote unquote cornerstone franchises winning the World Series. If you're a Tigers fan, that's got to give you at least a little bit of hope, right? That maybe at the end of this rebuild, right, will be will be there, and we can kind of follow that trend. Or are you just kind of like we're so far away? I mean, we're not we're not so far away, but we are still a good ways away yeah. to really optimistic to that point that mm-hmm. you're like oh we're just gonna yeah. skyrocket and be that team but I do think I would look at those past successors and go maybe there is a little hope. glimmer of hope right right like if, we, if we do this right we can get there yeah we can 100% do if yeah. you do everything right I do think yeah. there's the glimmer of hope to get there but where our standing is right now I don't think you can ever go oh yeah we won 40 games this year now next year we're gonna or in three years we're gonna go win 100 games like i don't think that's right either the trajectory right. that people are on right now honestly it's you know it's weird about baseball too it's like the royals are bad again right but the royals had like a year and a half where they were a really good baseball team and they won a championship yeah. if that's all they would need is they just need one run that's what i mean get yeah. it and then it's like all right well after that we got 10 years where we yeah we're give okay it three or four more years and yeah. then you'll have that one run if you have the right manager you have the right mm-hmm pitching rotation which it looks like you might be able to get soon right if you get all of that going mm-hmm. maybe you can get that one or two year run where you have the chance right but yeah and then i think that's when you just I look think, at the team now and you just go there's well i think and yet. that's too that's another thing too i think you're seeing that these runs or these windows for teams are shorter like they before are. it's always like okay boston's always going to be in it you know like we like the tigers had a good 10-year run there mm-hmm. where they were in it for yeah. the majority of that time but now you're like Okay, like these windows are getting shorter. Like that Astros window is shrinking drastically is. every single year. You know, Verlander's getting older. Granky's getting older. Verlander's terrible in the World Series. I mean, my God, is he terrible in the World Series? Um, but you're just seeing like that. Those windows are starting to really close up quick. That's like teams like the Braves are like, okay, we got to go sign whoever now. Like that's why the Phillies I think went and signed Bryce Harper because they're like, this window's not very big. We got to just spend the money now. Hope that he yeah. can get us over the top. You know the Cubs. The Cubs didn't make playoffs this year. Yeah. Two year, two, three years removed from World Series, and now they're not even in the playoffs. You're talking about Chris Bryant maybe getting traded and all that other stuff. So you're like, man, those windows are they're razor, thin. razor thin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like I don't think the like the Nationals aren't going to be like the favorites to repeat next year. No. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, man, like those are you really got to be on top of your game and make those moves, you know. Especially when you have lesser payroll than others. Yes. Because if yes. you're the Yankees, you're like, all right, yeah, let's just know, get let's the next best more. guy or yeah, whatever. Right. But when you're like the Nationals and you have the lower payroll, you mm-hmm. got to be like, you got to make sure everything fits and you got that one, two-year run where you're like, all right, 
I got everything fitting. We yep. got everything. We got the money situated. This is the year we have to go. Right. And exactly. So that's when the Tigers are gonna have to find that year, mm-hmm. or like maybe, and it, it also comes down to maybe the teams in there in the AL Central are just not that good that year. Right. And you're like, right, listen, we gotta make the run now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> listen, like we're at fit, we're three games above with five games. Up. Like we gotta just finish this run out and get to the playoffs. Right. Because here's the thing: the second you get to the playoffs in baseball. Now you have the chance. Yeah, absolutely, it's That's all it's absolutely. all about, it's all about getting through that long marathon and who, and grind. Who, and to who get there. gets hot at the right time? Yeah, who gets hot at the right time? You can be the best team in baseball, the best record, but you easily lose in the first round if you get caught by hot hitting or hot pitching. Exactly, it's that it's that easy. So it's 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 extremely yeah it's extremely I think baseball is one of those te- one of those sports wherever it's like you just like NBA the Pistons make the playoffs there's no chance they're making the finals zero percent chance it's ever happening Basically, baseball yeah. though I feel like okay you get there anything because it, it's so fickle you know yeah. and baseball is like man they're just hot or they're not they're football's, so, football's the same way exactly football's the exact same sliding right? to a six seed and you're just like all right upset alert right yeah exactly oh we just went on the road for three straight games and won yeah it is what it is yeah. you know so extremely interesting all right let's talk uh what were we gonna talk about um, i think we're doing lions oh yeah that's right lions i'm I sorry right. i got a lot yeah. on my mind today uh we're gonna talk lions trade deadline it's probably because i i you know all the flurry of deals that happened at the trade deadline. yeah you just couldn't <laughs> think about which one you want to talk about first <laughs> uh as you guys probably know by now the lions did not make any moves outside of the quandre dicks trade that we talked about last week but they did not make any moves um at the trade deadline i know some fans were mad maybe they tried to go they should have gone Went and tried to go get a running back, you know, maybe go try and trade for a guy like Von Miller. There was talk of guys like Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell being available from the Jets. Um, now we've heard we, we've heard now since the trade deadline has ended, Lions did make some calls, made a call about Jamal Adams mm-hmm. at safety. Uh, they made extensive conversations about Devontae Freeman. Um, they know they called about Chris Harris Jr., the corner out of Denver, right? So the Lions were clearly active. Mm-hmm. At the trade deadline, they didn't just sit there and went, "No, we're good." You know what I mean? So clearly, they were looking to make you know maybe some moves or some additions or what have you. You know, for whatever reason or another, they just couldn't get it done. How mad are you, Mike, that they didn't make a move? Um, well, I think it comes down to where you think the season's gonna outlie. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I think it comes down to you. I think they should have at least made a move, mm-hmm. whether it's. Sell every like sell stuff and set up for next year mm-hmm. because you don't think you can get with there. the division and how the NFC is shaping out right now, yeah. it's gonna be very tough to get a wild card because right now at the pace it's going, I don't think you can outbeat the Packers right now. Mm-hmm. I think their schedule gets a little light, not a like. There's a part where it gets hard yeah. and then it gets lighter. Yep. So I don't know if they can get down to the four losses or five losses and mm-hmm. we can win out or whatever. Yeah. So if we don't win our division, I don't know if we can slide into a wild card with like the Seahawks. You're going to need 10 wins. So you're going to need at wins. least nine to 10 wins, and yeah. that's going to be tough to get to. Because you already have three with the tie, doesn't help either. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, you look at that and you go, if you don't think that you have that, I think you should have been selling. Maybe yeah. like get, maybe slay out, maybe make some of these other moves. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you thought, okay, like the NFC, maybe you look and you're like, our schedule's easy, and maybe we can get that glimmer of hope. Maybe then I think you should have been getting your running back, right. get a defensive back, get mm-hmm. a safety, do something. I think right. just sitting put mm-hmm. is like the worst move you could have done yeah. because you didn't get any draft capital for the upcoming draft, mm-hmm. nor did you get any pieces to help you this year. Right. So you kind of just like sat there, right. and now you're just still. I think there. I think they're in a tough position because, and the reason why I was not upset that they didn't make a move is because I am not about giving away future assets for um, 
just get, like in, in in all honesty, right? Like if we're looking at this team, they're not Super Bowl contenders. We know that. Yes. We know that, right? So I don't think there was a move they could have made that would have propelled them a to catch the Packers. At the way this rate is going, the Packers are getting every lucky break. Mahomes not playing. You know what I mean? I mean everything is just falling in line for them pretty easily here. Um, but with with way you're playing right now, the way your schedule sets up, the way that you have, you know, your offensive line is not blocking well enough for any running back to do anything. And the guys that everybody thought you should have been in on, whether it was Melvin Gordon or um, you know even Kenyon Drake and all those guys, they have some of the lowest rushing rushes per, rushing yards per attempt in the league this year. So that may not have been the thing. And and I am not a purveyor of trading away a third round, a second round, even a fourth round pick. For a guy for nine games. Mm -hmm. It's, for me, that is the part where I went, you know what? I understand, right? Like, if they would have went and traded away a fourth-round pick for Chris Harris, I'd have been like, all right, you know, that helps the secondary out quite a bit because he can play both slot and, you know, outside. But at the same time, I go, okay, but he's not going to be here next year. Mm -hmm. He's not going. He's 30. You're getting him literally for this run, you know. If they were sitting at 5-2. and Yeah. And you know what I mean, and they, they and the Packers were at six and two or whatever, and we were right there thinking, okay, we've already beat the Packers once because they should have, and whatever, and they only had the loss to Kansas City and um, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and you go, okay, maybe we can make a run. Then I'd be in your camp where I'd be like, they needed to do something. I'm not a and if they're not going to get the assets necessary for a Slay with two years left on his deal, I'm okay with keeping him. If that means they trade him in the off season. Fine. Yeah. If that's what it requires them to do. But right now, if you think that you have an okay enough team where you can get to nine or ten wins without making a move and not kicking that can down the road and, and, and hurting your future because you're not a Super Bowl contender yet, I'm okay. Yeah. I didn't think. And now, if they would have traded a first round pick for Jamal Adams, sold, mm-hmm. done. If that's what it would have took, fine, because that is a premier player. Yeah. But outside of that, I don't think there was anybody available or made available that would have been like. Oh, yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's not like they were like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady's available for a fourth. Okay, you know, no, yeah. that's a little too rich for our blood. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's not what it was. So a lot of these guys are going to be hitting free agency anyway, and you're not, you know what I mean? You're not going to keep those guys. You're just not going to do it. So that was that was a big thing for me. I am a little surprised that we saw no action, like at all, yeah. really, at the trade deadline. I was surprised, guys, like, A.J. Green, they didn't even attempt to move. You know, Von Miller, I thought Denver would have easily been like, well, maybe we get this $13 million off of our off of our structure. You know what I mean? Like, the Jets being as open as they were is a little shocked by. You know, I can tell, you can tell already that Le'Veon Bell is like, I really made a bad choice by going with the Jets. Like, yeah. you can you can feel that. Um, but I was a little surprised, too, that teams like, you know, I figured New England would have done something mm-hmm. stupid and crazy and got them even further. Than, I mean, they traded for Sanu, obviously. They got, they got Sanu, right? But, you know, I was surprised the team, you know, Seattle with the Josh Gordon pickup, I mean, they didn't give up anything. But I was kind of surprised, like, maybe they wouldn't have made a move, maybe something bigger on the defensive yeah. end. Um, some of these teams, you know. Like yeah. digs out, though, so. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Whatever, you, we all know my thoughts on that. But the point being is that you, I was just surprised that maybe not another contender really didn't try to go and yeah. swing for the fences. Well, I think, I think all the teams it. that are in contention, I think, are, like, okay with their rosters. Right. Like, I don't right. think there's anywhere that, like... I think can, everybody was asking for a lot. Too. Yeah, and you're asking for, like, all these lower teams are like, oh, I want two first-round picks for Von Miller. You're like, no. No, it's not and, and stuff like that. But, right. like, I think all the literal, like, if you look at the five or six legitimate contenders for the Super Bowl, I don't think any of them are like, oh, we need this position to be mm-hmm. there. Like, yeah. I think they're all, like, 
if we could steal a Snacks Harrison for a fifth, mm-hmm. like we did last year, yeah. then they would do that. Right. But they're not going to go give a first for a guy. Because I don't think, like, you look at the Patriots, the Chiefs. Right. I mean, the Chiefs could have used a DB, I think. <laughs> but besides that, I think they're set. Yeah. Um, Packers, um, Seahawks or 49ers or something. Right. Saints. You look at all these teams, I don't think they, they're like, we need that one piece to get us over the edge. I think they all think... That with the team that they have now, I think they can get there. They can get there, right? So right. I, don't, I think that's what kept right. all of those contenders. No doubt, from no doubt there. about it. Yeah. And in the middle of the pack, we're like, "Well, we're not good enough to get there, so I, why do it?" Like what I did were, think, what I did think was kind of interesting though, and something that was a low, kind of a low key move, was the Dolphins trading for Aqib Talib. Aqib Talib then immediately, like, think promptly. I think he retired, didn't he? I think he retired. No, well, he's on IR till week fifteen. Yeah, but I think he's like retiring now. He's like, I, I think so. Anyway, point being is no, that they basically they basically said, okay, we have a lot of cap space, so we're gonna incur his salary, but you're also gonna give us a fifth round pick for basically nothing. Mm-hmm. It's a very NBA esque move when you think about it. It's it's very similar to like, all right, you're gonna give me a first round pick, and I'll take on Lou Aldang's thirty million dollar contract, but you're gonna give me a first round pick, yeah. as well as me trading you whoever yeah. to make the to make the money work. So it was a very NBA way of doing things, mm-hmm. and I do think that that is gonna you're gonna start seeing that where this is the first year where you can look and you go, okay, the Dolphins are tanking. Mm-hmm. They are, are clearly tanking. Cincinnati is like, we thought maybe we were going to be decent because the, the, our division was going to be maybe up, maybe down, depending. But we're clearly terrible, so we're going to tank. You're going to see, you know what I mean? So you got some teams where you're like, we're just bad. We're not going to be good. We're not even going to try to be good. We're just going to make it look like we've kind of played football for 16 weeks. You know what the game I'm most looking forward to is so sad to say? Yeah. I'm so looking forward to how bad the Bengals and Dolphins game is oh going to be. Oh, my God. Because they're both be. probably going to be Owen at that time. I hope it's like a 3 nothing game, too. <laughs> but, like, they're both going to just send all-out blitzes, and either yeah. they're going to get sacked and or they benched Andy throw. Dalton, too. And Andy Dalton, especially, he at least did it, like, a couple weeks ago so I could get traded. Yeah, like he's Like, he's like, now I'm just stuck here. He's like, this yeah. sucks. Yeah. You know? It was awesome. Yeah, that's going to be months. hilarious. But that's what I'm saying, though, is that you've got teams that are actively just going, nope. Not this year. We tried, right? Yeah. You know, Miami at least has got like 35 first round picks, so they're gonna be that rebuild's gonna be fast. But so I think you're gonna start seeing more of that NBA general managership where it's like, all right, I'll take on that bad contract, mm-hmm. you know, and with one year left, I'll take on a key to leads five, knowing full well he's not gonna play for me. Yeah. But I need an asset in return yeah. for a half ham sandwich. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of. You know, I, I just thought it was, in, you know, I thought it was interesting how they did that. It was something yeah. that a lot of people don't really talk about because Miami's awful. But those are the kind of moves where you're like, all right, yeah, we'll take on the five million. No one's coming off the books anyway. Yeah. But you're going to give us an extra piece of draft capital that we can then later trade to move up in the second round again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So those are the kind of moves I think are always kind of interesting that kind of fly underneath the radar a little bit. You know, it just it just makes it you know a little interesting for me for you know. Guy who follows all this stuff. I follow that stuff so hard. Like I was like, you follow more of the money side. I, oh yeah, for I watch sure. all the games, and you just for like, sure. You're like, oh, we have Lions have seventeen point seven million dollars. <laughs> and I'm like, oh cool. Did you I, see that they lost you know what, the Giants. You know what it is? Is it's for me? It's it's the building of a roster. You yeah. know what I mean? So you look at it, and that's why. Like I look. Yeah. All right. Why do they spend this money? What was the what? What is? What do you think is the rationale behind why they paid Justin Coleman you know, thirty six million? And you go, oh, I see why they. That's paid why Justin I think Coleman. you like free agent frenzy. Oh my gosh! And the draft I more love than the it. actual season. Oh my gosh! Because I like watching the games, and you like okay. I, how I are like watching. Yeah, well, I like watching the Lions games. 
after that, I'm just kind of like, I enjoy watching football as a fan, but if I have nothing invested, I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah. you know, like that sucks because, and the Lions frustrate me because they just decide they're going to be awful all the time. So it's like, it's hard for me to be a fan, yeah. but I always like the thought of, okay, if they did this, what, is, you know what I mean? Yeah. This reaction causes this, you know what I mean? So it's, it's always fun to see the, the roster come together and be like, okay, where do these things are going to target? Okay, like when we do the draft stuff every year, that's fun. I love that to no end because I love being able to predict, okay, here's the needs, here's this. That's always that's always good stuff for me. I follow that stuff super hard. You're always like, oh, yeah, but did you see they're averaging like 12 yards a carry? And I'm like, yeah, but what if they threw the ball more? <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> like I said, I I'm love like, watching. Like, I, watch I will watch the Lions every single week until I die. But and, you know, other than that, you know, like it, you know, Sunday night football. I'll turn it on, but I'm not going to be like in invested, invested oh, as I am. I, I find some way to get invested. Yeah, you know, I am invested I in the Lions only, and until the Lions win the Super Bowl, that will be the focus. After that, I'm like, all right, fight, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, but all right, let's talk last a little bit here. Let's talk okay. some NBA action. Oh, cool. Wait, um, you know, we talked last week the debut, you know, the premiere of the season, but I really want to talk about how the the change that one year makes. Because you're already seeing it, and it, it is crazy it is. how much of a seismic shift that we have seen in the NBA in a matter of literally minutes, yeah. it feels like. The Warriors, awful. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, out for three months. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Two years ago, Cavs were in the finals. They're awful, right? You see the Lakers all of a sudden went from, what the hell is this team, to, oh, okay, yeah, NBA Finals, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Clippers, same thing. Toronto, meh, they're yeah. okay. This is the, one of the biggest upheavals, and I think in a long time where you just go, I don't know what's going on. Yes. You know what I mean? You watch you watch every, you watch watch every, everything. So just, I mean, talk <laughs> to me about what you're seeing from an on-the-court on product where you just go, it's crazy. I think, they, I think this is bona fide nuts they, what's going they, on. They've been able to make the NBA and just matchup of teams yeah. way more exciting because my goodness I, I, now I don't hate dynasties right that, I'll just throw it out there I'm not like I didn't like the Warriors I think they did I think they started off in a good path mm-hmm. and then ended in a path that I didn't enjoy as much <laughs> yeah um, right they became the bad guys that's, yeah sure. they definitely became the bad guys oh, yeah. that's just a different story to go to yeah but um, besides that you look at every team you go okay so Lakers have AD LeBron. You got the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. You got Houston mm-hmm. with um, Russ and yeah. Harden or yep. whatever. Mm-hmm. And like every single team, you go down the list has one or two guys where you can just go, "Yep, that's their premier. Yeah, that's, that's their, their duo." You got Luca and Porzingis. You got Middleton and Giannis. You got mm-hmm. you know name a guy, name a guy. Mm-hmm. And it's just so fun because now it's like like last year you look forward to like three games in the NBA season. It was Warriors. Lakers or it's Warriors rap like it was always like the Warriors against somebody because the Warriors were just so dominant in the West mm-hmm. versus whoever the East had. Yep. Now you're like Houston Celtics, I'm in. Right. Houston Bucks, you got Lakers. Right. This team, you right. got yeah. Dallas Mavericks versus the Suns. I'm invested. Right. And now you got right. so many games that you're just like, wow, this is gonna mean so much later and everything mm-hmm. that just makes the season so much more fun to watch. Yeah. And I think you're gonna see Disparity. you're gonna yeah, it, it really is. And I it think what you're seeing to too is you're seeing. You know, you made a great point last week about saying like everyone expecting Lakers to win sixty five games are drunk, right? Honestly, they are. Because because if you look across the league, and you you just nailed this perfectly when you say look at across the league, 
There's anybody you can point to and go, oh, well, they got those two guys, though. That's a pretty yeah. good combination. You know? Hell, even the Pistons. All right, they got Blake Griffin and Drummond and yeah, Rose. Drummond like, and, and Rose coming off and Luke Kennard can shoot off the bench. Right. Like, like, you team. can make a case where you can go, this team could make a legit, not yeah. like a legitimate run, but like they could make yeah. a run to well, a second The Lakers go in. There's not, there's not a lot of games. like in, in Right now, football, mm-hmm. the Patriots can go in about 10 games or 11 games on their schedule and go, Patriots win that game. Yeah. And without, any, like, without any pause. Without any pause. You go like the Lakers – Name a team, and I can go. But there's this chance that they lose. Right. Like yeah. they you can Dallas. make a case that any time that you can lose. Yeah. Anybody. So you go Lakers versus Dallas. I would say who win. You go Lakers, but it's probably like a blowout. Yeah. And I go okay. They went to overtime and won by five points. Right. And you go. And LeBron had to put up a triple double. And LeBron had put up a 39, 16, 12 triple double yeah. to even make the game go to overtime. Right. And that's like the stuff that like every single game now you go. Oh, you get. Clippers mm-hmm. versus Hawks. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Trey Young's going for forty, mm-hmm. and they're going to be winning by one point in the fourth quarter. Right. Like it's all these games that you're like, oh, there's no way that this team should win, mm-hmm. and now they're in that game. Right. Making the fourth quarter so right. important. Now. Yeah, you're really making the league. You're making NBA uh, a must see every single night because now, even though there's 82 games, these games matter. Like yeah. the Pistons need Blake Griffin back. In the worst way. Yeah. Losing to the Bulls is unacceptable. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying, though, is that there's very few teams, Chicago being one of them because they're not very good, Memphis being a team that's not very good. There's a couple teams out there that are still trying to get there. But even to your point, the Suns, okay, they got Booker. They got DeAndre Ayton. They've got guys where you're like, this team may not be very good this year, but, man, they're going to be really good two years from now. You yeah. know what I mean? Or There's just so much balance for the first time in yeah. – 10 years. And it's crazy to think that the Warriors might go from five straight finals to not even making the playoffs. Right. And it's that fast. Just that fast. And it's that fast. And that is the crazy part. They go from a one seed the last five years to now... Coasting. Ken, yeah. Just literally sh- shimmering, shimmering and doing whatever. Yep. And now they're going to be like, can we get the eighth seed this year? Yeah, right. I, as we started the season, I yeah. went, I think they might get seven or eight. Because yeah. there's six teams that are just that much better than the Warriors are this year. Mm-hmm. Now with Curry being up for three, I'm like... Yeah, you got DeAndre Russell went. DeAndre Russell went. So I'm back on the Nets again last yeah, year. Basically. That's what I am with a lesser team because you have no supporting cast already with you. Right. Because everyone left yeah. already. Yeah. Because and you're paying so Clay. You're paying Seth. Paying D'Angelo. You're paying Draymond. You're paying everybody. Yeah. And yet you don't have any depth. Yeah. It is. So now they could be a 12 crazy. seed in yeah. the West now. That is crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. It's extremely fun. It's extremely important, I think, too, for the growth of basketball because it's it's something where you go. I can finally watch an NBA game and go. I don't know who's going to win this game. Yeah, I can fi- play off bas- playing basketball. Playoff basketball this year is going to be so much fun. Yeah, every, so much every fun because it's, matchup it's going to be, something. and every game is going to matter because it's like okay, home court don't matter against nothing. You know what I mean? Like I am so excited. I pray. Oh man, do I pray? We get Clippers, Lakers. And, uh, you know what I mean? Where they're home every game. How awesome yeah. would that be? Where it's just like, oh yeah, they're away, but they're Staples Center. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? That'd be like, the most fair matchup because you're oh my traveling. God. Like, like, oh my God. It's seven just games. seven straight weeks. You're just like, yeah, we played seven straight home games. Like, I am so excited. I really hope we get that matchup. I hope like one of them doesn't get pulled like an upset because I think that would be a phenomenal, phenomenal matchup. In the NBA, though, with all these fun games that will be yeah. going on, I think there's legitimately like four or five contenders for the title. I agree. I agree. I but agree. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think getting up to that point, though, there's yes. a lot of. Like, I just think it's going to make. I just think, but I think are, you open the door though for more upsets, right? Like, do I think Houston could somehow shock and you know maybe beat the Clippers or the Lakers? Yes, I legitimately I do. do. Like, now, do I think they have enough to win the championship? No, I don't. But to your point, right? 
there's enough of it where you go, it gives you a moment of pause. Where, like, if you were a Clippers fan or a, a Warriors fan, you go, oh, no, we're easily to the Western Conference Finals with no problem whatsoever. Yeah. And then after that, maybe they go seven. But, you know what I mean? Now it's like, okay, like, if the Lakers don't play well against Houston, Houston could steal one. Yeah. You know, it's it's that it's that easy now to kind of fall into that little sense of security. Where I, that's why I think what you mentioned last week, where it's like, if you think a team is just going to go out and dominate for 60 games... You're wrong, yeah. and that's 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 across the board. That is across the fight. board, exactly. It's, yeah, it's it's honestly it's pretty crazy. It's fun to watch as all can be. All right, that's gonna be it for episode. I think forty nine. Man, we are getting so close to that one year. Man, it is exciting time. Episode forty nine in the books for the missing whale man for the Merc Zone. Yeah, I'm the most Michigan, and we will see you guys as always next time. <laughs>